Allo, Tim. Allo. Enchanté, Timothy. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, it must be pretty offensive when somebody who not only didn't take French or learn French tries to say French things. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've done a number of times. Yeah, on this, on this I don't broadcast. know. I think I think right now I've fallen on like, like my sister said it, where it's it's okay as long as it's funny. Um, wow, I, <laughs> that sounds totally offensive. It's yeah. all okay as long as it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's how she put it, and I uh, I didn't know how to feel about that. Don't either. you think this, the French have suffered enough? Yeah. Anyway, I just think it's uh you stick to the basics. Hello, team. You know, it's just being on theme with today's uh-huh. episode. That's that's it. Just do right. that a bunch. I, I didn't do that. I did not do that. Huh. Anyway. I did. Well, then I'll just say in classic American, in case you were offended by my hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Dismembering Horror to episode 155 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We dismember a horror film for you. We talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy. We do it all under the guise and spirit of just friends getting together after watching a horror movie and, you know, doing what you want to do. You want to talk about it. Pick it apart, digest it, dismember it. Indeed, indeed. And we hope you watched today's film as we hope you watched every film that we talk about, that we talk about, that we wish you were here to talk about, that you are here in a way to talk about with us, even though it's just Tim and I talking. So we traveled back to 1955 for today's episode for either there's two titles for it tim the american title we're staying on that theme diabolique or the french title le diabolique <laughs> less <that>. diaboliques <laughs> yeah exactly they made that slight adjustment between the two what's that uh, mean ryan the devils wow which we have is the name of a Ken Russell film, which we have in a future hat to uh, to dismember mm-hmm. at some point too. But that's not today. That's for some far off day. For today, as I said, we're doing Le Diabolique. Tim, anything else going on with you in the world of horror you need to check up on? I had uh, a question for you. Um, Not really. Somebody just told me about a horror film that they really liked. Um, that I had never heard of. I guess it came out like last year. And now, of course. Ooh, add it. We need more newer releases. I said our... I would add it. Yeah. Um, we need a newer I'll releases. I'll figure out what it was. <laughs> in, our, uh, in our next hat poll, we could use some new new movies. Our yeah. next hat uh, season. I don't know what you call it. 
Tim, I'm just wondering, am I the only one who's excited about old to go see the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old? I think since like The Visit, he's just been, I've just been all for what he's been up to since The Visit. And I'm very excited to see it. The Visit. I didn't see The Visit. Okay. That, that was, was the that one- found sort of found footage like yeah. two kids go to their grandparents' place or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I started it. And... <laughs> that says it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I I think I was expecting something else. And so when I started it and saw that it was found footage style, mm. I just was like, I'm not, I'm not into this right now. So I he's, it off. he's got really weird, interesting sensibilities, but they're heavily rooted in classic film, you know? Sure. And I think once you can kind of get on board with what his thing is, it, I mean, if that's what's holding people back, it's great. He's great. But I don't know. Something about from that film on, I just feel like it's especially clicking uh, for, I don't know, his films are really working. Glass. I I mean, I... I, I Split. I watched Glass and Split. I was sort of lukewarm on both of them. I thought they were so good. Anyway, since you we are... would. <laughs> yeah, well, since we aren't dismembering them, I just wanted to bring it up. And in case anyone else was excited about old, hey, I just wanted to share my excitement. Um, He has a TV show on Apple Plus. Oh, yeah. Called, I've been wanting um, to watch that. The Servant, right? The Servant, yeah. Or, or maybe it's just Servant. I don't know which. <laughs> cool. Uh, a friend of mine's in, in that show. He's in a few episodes. Awesome. Thanks for yeah. the reminder. Us new M Night fans. Uh we'll check it out. Great. It's supposed to be good, creepy, weird, all of the above. What you expect. Creepy, weird, all of the above, just like this week's film, right, Tim? <laughs> uh yeah, sure. Yeah. Creepy. Sure. All right. Well, had you seen uh Le Diabolique before? I've not seen the original, the one we watched. I'm Oh, I, I thought you said you had, but I have seen the remake. Oh, okay. Of course now I'm forgetting who's in the remake. Is it like uh here let's look. Oh, it's our best friend Isabel uh Johnny. Oh yeah, Kathy Bates, Chaz Palmentary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen this. Okay. It's good. The remake's fine. Did it then ruin this one for you? No, because it, I <laughs> I saw it, it. It came out in 1996. I saw it in 1997. I have <laughs> almost no memory of it. <laughs> Got Other it. than the fact that I know I... I'm pretty sure I we a girl that I... Like one of the first girls I ever went on a date with. Ever. Like any date. This is what we we like went to the video barn. Video barn was the local video store. Video barn, and we got Diabolique. I wonder what about it made you go perfect. Uh, who knows? Who it was knows? A, it was in the new release section, probably. Yeah, great. Kathy Bates had just come off of Misery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sharon Stone was in it. I, you know. Something. Something made us pick it. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm excited to talk about this original one. So are you going to start off with our trailer here? Sure. All right, then. Here we go. From Again, from 1955, directed by Henri-Georges Clouseau, 
the screenplay also by him and Jérôme Jéronimi. <laughs> Here we go. Le Diabolique. Une baignoire, diabolique. Un costume d'homme, diabolique. Une malle en osier, diabolique. Une piscine. Qui l'a enfoncé sous l'eau Well, Tim, per our rating system, I would love to know, would you tell yourself to avoid this film, stream this film, rent it, or buy it? It's a good rent. I mean, it's a solid, classic, you know, suspense thriller. They do a good job of constantly... um, Putting, putting people in situations where it's like, oh, no, they're going to get found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they do but, do a good but job But I think that. The, overall, the twist of it is solid. Um, it feels kind of like, you know, it's this is pre-psycho. This is, it, you know, I think it's in a good, it's in a good spot to rent. I, I don't. It's long-ish, I would say, for what it is. It's a very simple story. Um, so it doesn't quite elevate to a buy for me, but, you know, it's still good. <laughs> Great. I think I'm more or less I'm on the same page with you here, Tim, where I got to give it a rent it for those reasons. Yet, where it sounds like for you, it's kind of this overall... You can you can view it. For me, it's like I arrive at a rent it from the beginning feeling super, super slow. But then the ending and like just, it, it, I don't know. Any movie we've watched, I swear it sort of ramped up the most for me as far as just getting better as it goes. Like by the end, I was like, oh, this is a great movie. Sure. What it's doing. And uh, all, you know, all that's on display here. But uh, still had arrived at a rent, though, even though don't necessarily want to buy it, I feel like it'd definitely be worth seeing again once you know the big twist. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just be curious to watch it from that lens someday. Great. Well, cool. <laughs> in the film, you want to give us your, your patented uh, Aslan replay here? Oh, God. Just for, for to behoove ourselves as okay, well as our listeners. Okay, so, yeah, sure. Um, let's see. You've got a boarding school that is owned by um, a woman whose name is Mademoiselle something, something, something uh, de la Salle. And she's married to the principal of the school. She's also a teacher there, but she owns it. Um, Passed down through her family. Her husband is the principal. He is a huge piece of shit. 
Michel. Uh, he's basically just super abusive, terrible dude. He's, Honestly, probably takes the cake out of anything we've watched. He's man, really I mean, despicable. Really. He's just the worst. And he is like he is still married to her, and yet he's taken a mistress with one of the other teachers. <laughs> Which is really you know, seems kind of not cool. Um and then you've got you've got a couple other teachers, a couple dudes who are just whatever. And you've got the kids. And very quickly, we just see what a what a terrible person the principal is, and the mistress and the school owner, De La Salle, Nic- Nicole and oh, right, Michelle. Nicole. Yeah, they seem to be kind of like sneaky conspiring a little bit, and we come to find out that um, they have come up with a, a somewhat pretty solid and somewhat elaborate plan to kill Michael the husband Michelle and that's being driven a little bit more by Nicole the the mistress she's sort of like you know she's she's pushing it on onto Christina um and but she goes along with it. She's like, eventually she gets kind of, you know, wrapped up in it. And, and you know, Michelle kind of doubles down on being a huge jerk. So she's like, you know what? I am going to kill you. So the way she kills him is they um, they put a sedative in a whiskey bottle that they know he'll want to drink. Of course he does. And he falls asleep. They put him in a bathtub. They drown him in the bathtub, which is pretty, that's a pretty solid death. And then they have to get the body back from Nicole's apartment, which is in a town near the school, to the school so they can dump it into the school's pool uh, and make it look like he just got drunk and fell in the pool and drowned. So so pretty solid plan, like a couple hiccups along the way, but, you know, they they. F- pretty much get away with it. I mean, they, they're successful. They don't get caught. But then the whole sort of chunk of the movie, the real meat and potatoes of the movie, is that his body disappears from the pool. And they spiral, the two of them. Uh, detective gets involved. Um, really, it's Christina spiraling more than Nicole. But Nicole seems fraught. As she well, has her as moments. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we kind of follow Christina just being like unraveling to the point she has a heart condition. The doctors are like, dude, you need to calm down. She's like, I can't calm down because I'm being haunted by my dead husband. Um, and this all comes to uh, a head when she um uh essentially comes face to face with him again drowned in her bathtub at the school which you know is a real uh head spinner if you will so how did he get from the pool to the bathtub in the school well i'll tell you ryan here's how it was all a ruse the <laughs> mistress nicole and him staged all of it so that they could inherit inherent 
inherit inherit Christina's dowry, meaning if she dies, he gets the inheritance. He gets the school. They can sell the school. School's worth a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, when she sees when Christina sees his dead body, you know, submerged in her bathtub, she her heart fails and she drops dead. And so they win. But do they? No. You know why, Ryan? Because crime never wins. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Because the detective's right there listening. Catches yep. him red-handed. Got him. <laughs> the end. <laughs> that was fun. Great. Cool. <laughs> well, we're all caught up. Thank you, Tim. Plenty more details to cover. Right. This is uh, for us to check in where we're at and for you to know where we're at too if you watched it this was uh our take on it anyways great good take all right well with that you ready to move on yeah let's do it all right here we go what worked it worked like a charm smith This will be interesting. It's one of those movies where at the the twist, it kind of changes everything you're watching in a way. So, so I don't know. Just, just I guess, pay attention, listeners. And I say this to you too, Tim, of like, when we're talking about it, there'll be a pre-twist experience and a post-twist right. uh, reflection on the experience. So it's one of these films. Um. Overall, I mean, you know, what do you got? I was going to start with overall things. I got some things. Who do you want to start? I mean, just in the most broad sense, I think the mechanics of the story are excellent. And what I mean by that is the the actual mechanics of the um, killing, the setup, like their plan, the um, the rug being pulled out from under them, because all of their planning kind of went well, all of the little instances of, of, oh shit, uh, are really, really well plotted out. Um, the detective kind of poking and prodding is really good. Cause every time he does, we're like, we know because of the, the setup is so good. We're, we're fearing for her getting found out. Um, and then, of course, the mechanics of the actual truth, the twist, are great because we're spending this whole time in the movie trying to figure out where his body could have gone. And they suggest a bunch of different things and there's lots of twists and turns of, of like what that might have been and some of that is suggested by the, the detective or other people um, a lot of it's just her speculating. But all of those things are just really concise and they fit together well and they're used and recalled well. Um, it's just a really well-constructed story. Absolutely. Uh, and then the ending, the ending having having this sort of... You have this student who is saying, I saw the principal, the guy who's supposed to be dead. And they punish him because they're like, oh, you just make up stories all the time. And then it turns out that kid was was right. 
he he had seen the principal because the principal was not actually dead. The very end tag of the movie is uh, one of the teachers coming to him and saying, hey, where did you get that slingshot, the slingshot we confiscated from you? And he's like, oh, you know, Mademoiselle de la Salle uh, gave it back to me. And they're like, that's impossible. You're lying again, you little liar, you little brat, liar. She's dead. And he's like, but I swear I saw her. So then we're like, oh, my God. Ghosts? <laughs> or did she fake her death? What if she faked her death, her heart failure to out this plan? We don't know. So you're saying just the mystery continues the is mystery. what worked for you? Mysteriabolique. <laughs> All right. You you covered a lot of things there I want to <laughs> touch on. Uh, yes, the plot itself, the plotting of the 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 murder that ends up not to be a murder. Um, it was easy to follow, really key, you know, it was, and I think that was because it was so visceral. Uh, and that, that very visceralness, it also added to, which was so good of just, um, I hope it, I guess this, this kind of moves to, I don't know, this kind of, I can't, I got to connect it to maybe one of my bigger things about it was just the overall just tension was so high yeah. in this film. So just that visceral quality of like drowning man in bathtub and having to hold him under with a statue yep. <laughs> and then having to carry his body out in a wicker basket that's breaking. Um, and then even just sort of like up that whole sequence was great. Cause then leading up to it, we have the whole thing of her uh, not poisoning him, but giving him a sedative and how that's going to play out. So yes, agreed, agreed. And then the um, the mechanics that you you know you're talking about also of this just how the, the whole thing played out. That did such a good job of it. Suggested the, the way it suggested this could be supernatural. It was mm-hmm. re- it allowed it to really work on that front versus just a mystery. Then it, it rather than it just being a mystery as far as the actual creep factor of just the idea that it put in your head of this body disappearing and uh, that final sequence, of course, where he's creeping around. But even just the sequence of him appearing in the picture and just right. his presence that continued to be there. It was just so well done of not being too forced, but just being that really good device of uh, giving us just enough to then imagine these inexplicable uh, possible supernatural repercussions. Yeah, and like... <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I remember that the answer is not supernatural. But I was like, are we just, it's doing essentially kind of a telltale heart, telltale, a telltale heart thing, right? Where maybe all of the um, supernatural fear is just in her head, which it kind of turns out to be true. But, you know that you know the knocking under the floor so to speak she can't let it go and she and it, and it does drive her to confessing which i think that scene is particularly good because we're like oh no wait you've you're still good like you still like have no like you're not caught yet 
you're not even close to being caught. Just mm-hmm. if you just kept your mouth shut, you might get away with it. But because of the guilt and of of it all, you know, and her sort of slowly <laughs> unraveling over whether or not she's being haunted, she has to confess. Which I like. It's kind of got that morality play thing to it. Yeah. I'll say just her performance, Vera Cluzo as Christina de la Salle. She's <laughs> you a lot of that tension that we feel is just from her performance, where she's yeah. just so understandably on edge the whole film. And we can't just help but just be with her with that tension. Um I thought it was interesting how a lot of that tension it relied on going along with like what's a pretty ridiculous uh you know actual premise to, I guess buy into that they're really committing to this murder kind of thing you know the way she goes along with it whatever whatever um, Wait you mean you mean how Christina goes along with agreeing to murder Michelle? Well the idea too that Nicole like it works in the Knowing the twist, it makes it work more. But even the way just Nicole's kind of pushing her on, and I don't yeah. know, it's it's like we we get it, and I think the key moment that makes us get it is when we're just reminded, like when Christine is, of how horrible and abusive the husband is. Yep. Where we see her in the moment of where she's going to drug him or not, she's like, "I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it." But as soon as the husband literally hits her, is the moment she says, "You know what." F you, here you go. I'm going to, or not even here you go, but I'm not going to stop it this time. Right. I think that's one of the strongest moments of the entire movie, honestly. Yeah. Like, because we are thinking that we're like, yeah, he sucks and he's overbearing, but like, is murder really the answer? And then he comes over, gaslights the hell out of her, and then scolds her for, well, unknowingly, he doesn't realize she's preventing him from drinking because she she's having second thoughts, but he just, you know, he lights her up over spilling the drink on it on him, makes her get on her knees and like wipe it up. Like he's just horrible. And so you kind of see in that moment, you're like, this moment is a microcosm of their entire relationship and how bad has it been over that, you know, the course of that relationship, it's probably been worse than what we're seeing right now. This is just the last straw. So to me, that moment when he finally hits her and she immediately pours the drink, like refills his glass, is wonderful. (laughs) It's so perfect. And the look on her face of like, no hesitation, right? Like, it's just like, nope, I'm done. We're, We're doing this now. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, I just want to now, I, I guess, um, before we get further, rewind, I guess, some overall things I had down here to add into the mix. I thought maybe the strongest thing about this film was just that, like, or maybe just why it was working when you sort of try to break it apart. It's just the overall metaphor going on for abuse let's say, of just, I kept thinking and and how maybe, um, you know, murder in the end won't actually help <laughs> the situation. But just that idea, because, you know, it's what gets her caught up to, 
you know, decide to kill him is, is yeah, exactly that, how horrible and abusive he is. Yet we see as soon as they do commit, you know, what we think is a murder, her troubles are just beginning. It's like right. he's still being abusive and holding power of over her even in death. In fact, you know, even if not More in the so physical. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say that because, you know, it's not physical. But, I mean, we clearly see she's <laughs> she's not doing any better for it as soon as the murder happens. Well, I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's sort of, it is a broader metaphor for like, abuse is not just getting hit like it's the psychological toll that it takes yeah and and literal psychological abuse is just as damaging if not probably more so i think in a lot of if you look at it from a certain perspective um and you know it's ongoing right it doesn't just you can't just break up and be done with it you can't and you know, certainly can't just murder somebody and and <laughs> and you're cured of of their bullshit right but the whole i don't know the whole um environment that they're into like a place of education um the way that the kids are treated in a, in that place like all of it is so abusive from so many different angles like that theme is just like reinforced over and over and over again yeah. like every guy in this movie's behavior is pretty questionable like the detective just shows up in her bedroom one night. Oh yeah, it's like, dude, it's what like are you what's doing? going on, dude. <laughs> so there's a lot of just reinforcing that sort of overall thematic thing of of like crossing boundaries, um, you know, tolerating things uh, or not tolerating things that are just totally insignificant. Like the the punishment for that one kid for lying was having him stand in the <laughs> corner outside overnight for six hours. Um, like, dude, come on. Well, it, uh, like, no wonder people are driven to kill each other. <laughs> right. I hated that. It's the world we live in? Come on. The punishment. Yeah, so then it kind of brings up, well, what, I don't know, you know, just imagine well, how, how, what would be the healthy solution to get out of all this. And it is, I thought it was interesting how, you know, and this is how, I mean, this is really, it's how Christina's getting manipulated on both ends. It turns yeah. out to be my Nicole and Michelle. But in the context of when we're watching, Michelle is horrible. Of course, he's not necessarily wrong when he tells her, oh, Nicole's manipulating you to be against me mm-hmm. because uh, she, he, she is, we think, manipulating him. It's like, she's right as far as, dude, you got to do something to get out of this marriage. This guy's is horrible. But she is manipulating him, her in the sense of the solution is to kill him. So it's sort of this mixed truth in a way that she's receiving where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, she is. Still being manipulated by her too. I see that, but then we just see no man. It's um, yeah, but I mean, not it to is, kill him, <laughs> right? It is truly like the title is is apropos. Like it is diabolical to think. Okay, we need to get rid of this woman who you're married to. We being Nicole and and Michelle, right? Like like from Nicole's perspective, like I'm in love with this dude, but he's still married. He has nothing really to offer 
sort of status or financially because all of that's wrapped up in his in his marriage. So how do we get out of it? We could run away together, but be poor. We could make them get divorced, but we'd be poor. Or we could take advantage of her um, health condition and make her believe that she did the worst thing so that we can scare her to death so that we can run away together and be rich. So it really, it's so twisted to like think that that was the, that was the line of logic. Like <laughs> yeah. option A, not great, we'll be poor. Option B, nah, also not great because like it's messy and we'll probably be poor and like we have a reputation to uphold. Option C, totally drive somebody insane to the <laughs> point of death and then we're good. Yeah, option C, let's do it. <laughs> like that's pretty intense yeah it's funny you mentioned her that uh she has that condition of a weak heart it was just funny how like throughout the movie i just got so mad every time they kept bringing it up you know it's kind of that like that feeling of when someone defines someone by their current or previous medical history oh how how are they doing with this oh how are you doing with this and that's like all they ever right, kind right. of view you as so it's just so frustrated like oh she has a weak heart oh she's a weak heart and just kind of i don't, I don't know it's just like she's weak is this a way this keep kind of writing her off and belittling her it feels like yet at the same time you know jokes on me in a way or maybe it's just you know there's two sides to of it to it uh it is a genuine ailment and concern it turns out because that was the setup for you know it wouldn't have worked the same if she just had a heart attack at the end and we're like, whoa, you okay? Kind of crazy, just scared to death. Okay, but only with that setup of her condition does that work. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 working both in a literal sense and a metaphorical sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Like she's the one who ultimately is being manipulated and taken advantage of and in a way for standing up for herself and like having kind of in a way, you know, wanting some retribution for a broken heart. Yeah. And then she ends up having that just turned on her and used against her. It's, it's dark, man. <laughs> it is. Brutal. Um, something I thought that was another really strong suit. And again, maybe this applies more just pre twist experience, but the dynamics and sort of, arcs, I guess, between, uh, of and between Nicole and Christina, where Christina is clearly someone whose arc we see as like needing to learn how to be more forceful and stand up for herself and arguments, whatnot, whatnot. You know, we see how much difficulty she has standing up to her husband. And then, and, you know, everyone. And then uh, Nicole is just the opposite, where she needs to learn how to be less forceful and chill out. Like, like she's so headstrong, you know, in the way where it's just, we see her kind of goofing up. She's not thinking about the details of the bathwater filling up and how the neighbors are hearing that. Right, um, right. She's always the one saying, oh, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. So that just lent for a very uh, rich and interesting dynamic, I think, between the two of them. And we got to see it where Nicole or sorry, where Christina eventually, she does sort of go on that 
that arc and become more forceful by the end. Uh, and then it just turns out Nicole's uh, uh, journey, she doesn't even go on it. She's as This is all evidence of her trying to be as controlling and as forceful um, as possible, worse than how he ever thought of. Yeah, I mean, I think that their relationship, the way it's depicted, is really... I mean, it's sad in a way. Like, Christina just gets so kind of tossed around emotionally by Nicole, which is, in a way, almost like we should we should have known because she's she's just kind of an extension of Michelle at that point, right? Like, and he's he's really the root of all of why this is bad. Like, I'm not trying to say that Nicole is the villain. I don't really see her as the villain i see her as also being kind of a part of michelle's like villainy and she got wrapped up in in his crazy you know manipulation as well she just she's just the one who's currently falling for his bs and she pays the price too right like she gets arrested she's gonna go to prison for it all for what for this 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 guy sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> like w- like come on yeah no but he's tried good it. at what he does right like yeah. he's like a, like any good psychopath he's good at manipulation and good at fooling people and you know getting them on his side and then you kind of see nicole doing a lot of those same things like there's almost this like very veiled sort of potential um I don't know, it's suggestive at times that Nicole is sort of saying, hey, we have this, the, her and Christina, she's she's manipulating Christina who desperately needs love and care and like somebody to like understand her. And Nicole is just totally using that uh, that vulnerability and like running with it. And that's really twisted. Like at one point I thought, Oh, are they, is this sort of a metaphor for, for two women who, you know, want to break away from the patriarchy sort of construct and actually have a life together? The handmaiden style. And it turns out, like, we didn't even get to go there, you know, because she, Nicole, is, is part of the problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty rough, dark story, man. I like it, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Um. The I I just have I just you know we talked about her getting scared to death. I I loved that her getting scared to death. It was just great. (laughs) Just that whole sequence to leading up to it. It's where all of a sudden, you know, at the beginning we have uh your realistic lighting. It's not anything's not too overtly creepy, but there's there may be an underlying tension. But by that last chunk, it's like we got long hallways, shadows yeah. everywhere, mysterious keyboard clacking, um, <laughs> typewriter right. clacking, all that. It was good, good creepy stuff. So as far as the the horror elements that were there, which that uh, uh, really worked, and I thought the culmination of just watching someone get literally scared to death was uh, it was cool. It was good. Um, um, smaller thing at the the I thought I liked overall how there was very minimal music. 
Um, mm-hmm. But the opening like credit sequence, the music that was there, oh, it was so good. It, it reminded me of the Omen or something mm-hmm. like that. It was just this this haunting choir, intense violins. Oh, it's so good for setting the tone. Thought that was great. Yeah, I like that. And the visual of the murky pool, like dark pool water. Yeah. Oh, that was it's so cool. good. Where they drain the pool and we don't see the body and she flips out. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That, that, oh my God, that's when the movie really, really hooked me. I did not see that coming. I don't know. I was on, I was in it like a, a murder mystery, you know, expecting that, oh, then it was going to be about, uh, I guess it's what we're led to believe that at that point it was going to be about uh, kind of rewinding and their all those cracks in their cover up, you know, right. unspooling of the different witnesses and all that, all that. But so then when it wasn't that, oh man, I was just yeah, I was so on board. It was great. Yeah, all of the little um, possibilities, I guess, that they set up of of ways that they that their plan could fail or ways that they could get caught, like. As good as their plan is, it's a terrible plan. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> like, way too many witnesses, way too many loose, uh, whatever, loose uh, threads. Is that what you would call it? Yeah. Well, that's, um, why, that's why I was saying it kind of works better when you know that that was it, it all along. You know, they yeah. at, at any given point, Nicole's wouldn't be culpable for an actual murder if they were caught because he would just come out of the basket and be like, yo, I'm fine. <laughs> I know, I know. So I, that was interesting too. Uh, she, <laughs> That's she, true. I she hadn't w- thought of it that way. <laughs> she, Nicole, I just thought it was great how in Nicole lying to her the whole movie, she's also lying to us the whole movie. Yeah, That's, um, exactly. Even with the opening when we meet her and she's wearing sunglasses and she pulls them off and she's got a a bruise on her eye, presumably, well, she says, because Michelle smacked her around. It's the perfect way to get us on board with her. Mm -hmm. And then we spend the rest of the movie thinking that she's okay. Yeah. It's, that is, I mean, that's sort of that save the cat kind of, kind of uh, tool but the, in this type of movie, if you can trick your audience into sympathizing with the secret bad guy, man, you're doing it right. Like that's <laughs> figure out a way to do that and you're you're in good shape. Right. Yeah, we'll feel all that much more deceived along right? with her. The twist will be that much more effective. Exactly. Um, I will say the twist, it it was <laughs> Maybe I'll, I don't know. I don't know. You'll hear me touch it again in the next section, I guess, a little bit. But I think it especially worked for this film that it was just a plot against her, it, that mm-hmm. it wasn't overtly supernatural or anything. Yeah. Just to sort of continue that theme of the manipulation is just happening on another level. And that's the real horror here. Uh, that was really, yeah. It was exactly the perfect ending for this story, as much as I may have wanted it. Uh, you know, I will always be more excited by ghosts. <laughs> it really, you know, it's a wizard of it's the Wizard of Oz kind of thing, right? Like it's the man behind the curtain or the truth behind the curtain in the in this case. And I, I don't know. There's there's definitely other movies. Nothing comes to mind like immediately, but that moment where like the person, you know, gets scared 
to death or gets scared and runs out of the room and then the 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 scarer casually pulls the mask off like that is such a pleasing moment and (laughs) i'm i can't i mean i wish i could there's something that is like in the back of my head that is that exact thing um some slasher movies it really is right it's like the boyfriend has put the mask on or something and is pretending to be mike myers and scares his girlfriend and she runs out of the room and then he takes the mask off and is like it's something (laughs) like that um i'm sure it's in a number of movies but it's such a good moment and it's actually interesting because this is doing it in a pure way Whereas I think in slashers, a lot of the time, what they did is they used the pure way to then be a um, diversion toward the actual killer being like, you don't get to do that. And then, the you know, the boyfriend gets his head cut off or whatever. Uh, but I just think, I don't know, there's something really pleasing about it in this movie in in the pure sense of just that, like, got, haha, we got her. And then they get got. So it is the same construct. Yeah. And they got us too, ideally. So instead of a mask reveal, uh, you're saying for this one, it was e- the contact lenses being taken off. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which talk yeah, about I being visceral too. Just oh, yeah. plop, plop. Do we just go exactly? Can't help but go, oh, no. Well, <laughs> and what, what a perfect metaphor, right? Like the unseen becoming seen. Yeah, the I, eyes the the eyes that can see being revealed to the truth that kind of thing it's good it was did satis- you at one at what point did you potentially key into that twist possibility um i think the whole movie i'm just hoping it's supernatural so yeah. that helps push me on the side of just i'm gonna be totally surprised when it's not that yeah there was so- there was yeah. a moment, I don't I think, remember specifically, but it it was maybe 10 minutes out from that reveal. Something happened between her and the, and the, um, and the detective. Yeah. That made me go, what if they're all just being, like, what if Nicole and him plan this whole thing? And I don't know, you know, whatever I've, it's it's in the back of my head somewhere anyway because I've seen the remake. So yeah, maybe that's all it was. Well, I think I can better actually more accurately answer your question where it was when they get to the um, is it uh, Nicole's where the, the the house that she runs or whatever it is, and they're plotting their whole thing there. Just the way that. Nicole is pushing Christina around of kind of like, come on, we got to do this. You have to do this. Oh, what, what do you say? Just, just the way she's kind of manipulating her that way. Just, I, I, I remembered feeling something. And that's what I was kind of saying where it's like, wait, wait, really? Like, but at a certain point, I just, you just have to buy into that for the movie to work or at least, at least where you think the movie's going. So yeah. I just kind of felt like I was just along for the ride then. But then it wasn't until maybe moments before if you want to put the actual reveals, the contacts coming out, I think you could, you also feel it a little bit when um, he's standing up in the bathtub right before he takes the contacts out. That shot, it just kind of crosses the line of not feeling supernatural eerie, but feeling a little too just plain Jane dude standing up in bathtub where I feel like that, and, and maybe that's intentional or you can read it either way. It feels like a kind of segue moment. But um, that's when it 
actually first started to go, wait, no, okay, that's just a dude standing up. Okay, haha, you got me. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's good, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you lasted that long. <laughs> yeah. I still, yeah, I mean, I even in spite of my thought about that possibility, I totally doubted that as a possibility. Yeah. I was like, but man, this is creepy. There's like, what if he is a ghost now? Like, yeah, be- what is happening? <laughs> like, it still kept me locked in or at least tethered to that possibility, which is nice. Because the idea of him appearing in a photo in the background and yeah. a kid, just, it was so good that I just, again, wanted it to be supernatural because right, right. that just worked in that sense so but well. But don't you, I wonder then, like, what if it had been supernatural? Would it have been as good a movie? No, and that's what that's what started off uh, talking about this ending right now for right. us, was I said, despite that, I think yeah, this right. works as the ending better because it's just more on point with the themes at play. You know what I another thing I thought as a possibility, which now since it didn't end up being this, I'm like, this this is a cool idea. Maybe I should explore this in in some sort of script or something. Um, I was like, have we seen this basic construct where the detective ends up ha- being the missing murdered victim? in disguise Mm. i would i mean i would in general feel like (laughs) maybe something close to that there's that movie um wait until dark with uh audrey hepburn and and um i haven't seen it so please don't spoil it. oh okay i won't tell you anymore it's so good though like there's it's not that but there's sort of this there's this element of like who's who yeah and I just think that actually would be a really cool way to do this same basic kind of movie where, you know, you're testing. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, it's because I've watched too many episodes of Catfish. So <laughs> I'm like, because you see on Catfish so often, the reason a catfish starts a fake account is to see if their partner will take the bait and cheat on them. And so often in catfish, the not often, but some of the time in catfish, the catfisher is the catfishy's actual boyfriend or girlfriend. And they pop around the corner and they're like, wait, why are you here? And they're like, it's been me the whole time. Your, your boyfriend. And they're like, why would you do that? And I'm like, cause I just, it got out of hand. I needed to know whether or not you would start a relationship with somebody else online. So, in a way, you could do that same kind of thing in a movie like this, but, like, have, instead of the catfishing stuff is dumb, uh, have the detective be in makeup the whole time. You know what it's a little (laughs) bit like, actually? The Prestige. Remember The Prestige? Yes. (laughs) It's that. I like that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you got a uh, willing suspension of disbelief that you <laughs> that the spouse wouldn't recognize their own, you know, significant other in makeup, prosthetics and whatever, but you know, or recognize their voice. But either um, way, I, I think that would have been fun. To- I think uh, I would just enjoy that play on the det- 
involving the detective in some way of the detective not being exactly who we think they are. I just got caught up with this movie and this detective thinking about the detective trope of like this detective, the detective in The Exorcist. God, what's the other one? Um, God, I can like see his face in my head. But you get it where it's like they... Because oh, I'm thinking of Psycho. Uh, oh yeah, guest. That's right, yeah. That's right. But where they have this, they're able to have this calm demeanor because at no point, you know, they aren't at risk of anything. Either way, whether they're right or wrong, they're just doing their job. They can be casual in the diner. Oh, oh, you know what? What are you so tense about? Da, 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 da. If there's something, I don't know. There's something. It's fun, it's appealing, like you like them, but at the same time, it's frustrating when you're identifying with the victim because I feel like just that casualness is enough to sort of set off your nerves uh, whether you're guilty or not and just feel uncomfortable about them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the, I think the most famous example of this is Perot, the the um agatha the is it agatha christie did Mur- murder on the orient express and all of the other um detective Poirot. i don't know so it's a trope i mean it's a distinct trope yeah but yeah you get what i mean i don't know i've just i, I thought that was interesting how they like no matter what they're okay and in that they can make us feel nervous <laughs> but also yet we like them um, have you seen Sleuth, the original with Lawrence Olivier and Michael Caine? Because that's oh, the one God, you should yes. see. So many years ago, though. Cool. Well, I think uh, you'd be a big fan. That's a good one. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, that's a twisty turny. Yeah. Who's well, who's who? <laughs> I feel like uh, <laughs> we got it pretty covered for what worked here. Are you good to move on? Oh yeah. Great. All right. Next section for Le Diabolique. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mine are just kind of like half kind of things as far as I already said. Like, it could just be first time viewing, but that first 20-minute chunk at the school... Just felt mm-hmm. way too long. Like, I don't know. Just took me a while to get into it after that. Like where I yeah. said it really, really ramped up to greatness by the end. It was kind of whatever at the beginning. But I think, I don't know. I think watching it again, I could see maybe more of the filmmaking on display. I would be more attentive to the dynamics going on, knowing that they're manipulating her from the get-go. So who knows? Yeah, I forgot to mention, there are some really, really pleasant camera moves as well, just on a technical side. So I was trying to think, like, is there even anything from that point of view that I didn't like? Not really. Like, I I was really tired when I was watching it, so I actually, like, I caught myself dozing off a couple times. <laughs> and so I had to actually wake up this morning and rewatch a good chunk of it. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you know, just to make sure I hadn't missed anything. So, like... Is that a, a something? That, no, that's my fault. It's not the movie's fault, <laughs> right? Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't really have anything specific. Like, 
Mm. I hate the a lot of the characters, but that's good. <laughs> Oh my it's god, like that's purposeful. That sets me off so much, Tim. It's especially just nowadays. I don't know. I just thought like our our ilk, our generation would be more okay with this. But when someone's complaint for a movie is like, all these characters are horrible people. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you're miss. You've missed the point. <laughs> yeah, like, that that has nothing to do with my enjoyment for. Film. Just anyway, to each is, their own. But if I guess. it evokes discomfort. They probably intended it that way, unless it's some sort of like extreme exploitative or like maybe exploitative is not the word, but well, it can be the word. Or if they're doing it for effect in a cheap way, sure, fine. Yeah. But that's not what's happening here. Like those characters are those characters for a very specific reason, and it's to get us feeling a certain way about in particular the men in relation to the women in this environment. And yeah. all of the the BS that goes along with that, and so, I'm probably just in, I'm probably in good company here with because I realize that can just be a similar kind of attitude people have with horror movies in general of like why would you want to be scared why would true. you want to feel yeah. bad? <laughs> You've missed the plot completely. But I mean, I mean, whatever to each their own. If someone doesn't want that out of movies, I'm always someone who wants to challenge people. But like, I don't know. It's I, I'm saying it in good company here, clearly. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, it's funny though. This is a kind of like a, a not a catch twenty two, but a somewhat paradoxical that I'm saying it worked better because it wasn't supernatural. Yet the fact <laughs> right. that it, it wasn't a supernatural story is the thing that makes me that makes it not going to be a buy it for me, you know? Like, mm-hmm, look at, like, mm-hmm. how much I loved uh, The Innocence, Night of the Demon, you know, anything that does maybe kind of waver that line, but then when it comes down on Supernatural, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's so creepy, it's so cool, I right. love it, I love it. Uh, so just inherent to the story, even though it worked better, that I could say that was an ass, that's just a pure taste thing. So it feels weird to put in what didn't work, but as far as uh, that does illustrate maybe why it was a rent, not a buy for me in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know what to complain about, really. I just don't <laughs> have it. It's, it's good. It's solid. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it, and for what it is and when it was made and all of that. I mean, it's like, my. Uh, what am I going to complain that it was in French? <laughs> yeah. Last time you complained about you not knowing more languages instead of complaining That's right. about That's, again, it's on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, and it's weird too. I don't I don't want to say this is necessarily it for us. And but there it's interesting to break down something where that's so clearly influential at the time, yet now, you know, what, over 60 years later it's it's that effect isn't going to be there quite the same let's say because it's influenced so many things you yeah. know it's that unfortunate thing of like the original um i don't know you know not not working as well as when it first came out but then my argument to that for <laughs> against myself which i've brought up before is yeah but because it was the first it was the most potent in a way you know whether that's Halloween as a slasher film mm-hmm. or like we talked about um cat people was mm-hmm. one that reviewed where it's just like 
yeah, of course we've seen, you know, a woman getting stalked by a shadow down an alleyway late at night before, but there's something just especially, uh, well, special about how it does it in that film. Yeah. So anyway, it's just for this wavering, this wavering dynamic at play when uh, something is the original at something and super influential. It's kind of like, it's the good and the bad with that. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'd have to dwell and come up with stuff. We can move on here to our next section. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. Uh, Well, we watched the 114 minute version, not the 107 US version. Oh, so there's more of a difference than just a name between Le Diabolique and Diabolique. I did not know that. Yeah. Which I think I'm glad I did. I, you know, I'm glad we happened upon the original and not a cut version. Yeah. Ditto. That would be annoying to find out. Even though if we were, you did kind of have the complaint of like, could be shorter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those seven minutes were the seven minutes that I fell asleep. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But they weren't Um, all in a row. They were like pieced together throughout. uh, um, Thought it was interesting. You, I thought both of our leads were great. Vera Clouseau and Simone Signore. Yeah. So you may notice that Vera, Vera, Vera has the same last name as the writer-director. It's because they were indeed married. Ah. And this, um, it, was, it was interesting. This originally, the story that it was based on, the sexes were switched around, where it was a story about a secret, secret lesbian lovers conspiring um, oh. against the guy who was being haunted by the wife that he killed. Interesting. Yeah. So, but in his, so the reason he changed that around is I guess he wanted to work with his wife and the other actor um, who played, uh, you know, Nicole. And so he just wanted the two primary leads to both be women in that sense, you know, to give his wife the bigger part. So it's just how much it changes the kind of gender dynamics at play and the story and all that. It's, it's huge. Yet it's funny. It wasn't sort of, uh, intended beyond just him wanting to work with his wife or didn't have intentions beyond that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, so apparently, it was based on a novel. Yeah. Okay, cool. They they changed a lot with to the, the school setting wasn't there. It's pretty mm-hmm. different. Uh, I thought they both, we didn't mention it, but acting I thought was great across the board. Yeah. But uh, Vera... Apparently, you know, I think she did such a good job where you, as I said earlier, she just makes us feel that tension throughout it. We want to, God, we, 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 you know, the way we're yelling at her, stand up for herself and cheering for her when she does a little bit. She's great. But apparently the other actors on set and people like that, maybe it was just the kind of like, oh, the director working, casting his wife as the lead kind of thing. But they were giving her a hard time and didn't have a lot of faith in her performance. Like I think the, God, it was, I think might have been that other lead actress. uh, um, Yeah, someone else. If not her, someone else 
who was basically like, oh, the reason it's taking us forever to light uh, Vera is because that's the only way we're kind of going to, she's going to look interesting or be good on camera kind of thing. It's just stupid. Whoa. Just really, I don't know, petty picking on her stuff. Uncool. Anyway, yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, this is, it was fun how this film had a, an end card title warning the audience to please don't give away the ending. <laughs> yeah. You just, I like that too. Yeah. Just gotta love that. <laughs> uh, Always good. <laughs> so Vera, who, you know, whose character had heart issues that ended up being sort of, you know, a key uh, aspect of the story. She had heart problems in real life and she passed away five years after this film Whoa. came out. She passed away in 1960. Damn. It's crazy. Just that, that connection to her real life. Um, and some other fun stuff about uh, the director, Cluzo. He got, <laughs> speaking of getting sick, he got tuberculosis. I don't know if I said that right. Aged uh, 27 and so from 27 to 31, he lived recovering in a sanitarium in Sweden, which is what you do, I guess. You go to the Alps to recover. To dry uh, up. Yeah. So in, in that period, though, he read thousands of novels, apparently. He wrote two plays and several film adaptations. And he said he owed everything to that stint as far as his then life and career after that, because he said it was due to that period of just being able to do all that reading and writing. He learned how to read and write and, as he put it, understand how human beings function. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that was interesting. Great. Did you know that um, filming finished on my birthday? November 30th? Yep. <laughs> Can you believe it? Of all the days. No, that's cool. Great. I'll, I'll gotta When's talk your th- birthday again? Uh, I just had it, July 13th. That's right. Cool. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, Well, yeah, those are all the things of note I dug up. um, Thanks to, on the Criterion Collection, even even just on their their streaming app, uh, they got all their goodies on there. So if you're interested, do check that out. Um, Here's one really interesting last piece of noteworthy info there's a rumor that says that alfred hitchcock missed out on purchasing the rights to the novel by a few hours <laughs> and that so got it first that's incredible well that's that's great because apparently too cluzo he spent uh he stayed up all night reading the novel and then bought the rights to it that morning so if he had <laughs> slept or hesitated on it then it <laughs> yeah. could have gotten it then. that's funny cool right. and then apparently like you see the influence in hitchcock's works after that were of course totally. vertigo psycho it was yeah. all him trying to be like you know somewhat in conversation with this not yeah, want to say yeah. necessarily in competition great all right cool, well dude. if that's for it for diabolique should we move on to our recommendations sure all right, what do you got? I will recommend Dead, a book that is similarly of a twist and turny, like um, marriage. I'm not gonna. I'm trying to say very little. Um, 
it's about a married couple and it's a little bit of a who done it it's actually more of a why done it maybe um but you follow the the wife of the couple she's the protagonist it's called skinny dip it's called it's by carl i think you pronounce it hasten h i a a s e n and i read it many years ago but it's great <laughs> cool skinny dip great well my recommendation looking at stuff i've watched recently and what has stood out kind of always want to hit up uh the Elia Kazan movies I hadn't seen. He's he's just incredible. The performances he gets out of his actors, really something. So um, I uh, I guess just had on my watch list a face in the crowd. Have you oh, seen yeah. that, Tim? I have. Yeah, with Andy Griffith <laughs> in it. Uh, Walter Matthau's in it. It's fun. Uh, I I thought it was incredible. Like it was just one of those movies you just you know you put on and nah, 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 but then. It grabs you right from the get-go with its performances. This the story is so so good. Feels really uh, prescient to today's politics about you know someone someone letting their good ideals get taken over by the sheer media machine, you could mm-hmm. say, and just kind of a getting that trickle of power and how it changes them in you know unintended ways. Uh, but God, yeah, it was great. If you haven't seen it in a long time, hadn't seen it at all, please check out A Face in the Crowd. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, Tim, <laughs> check it out. All right. Great. Well, Tim, let's figure out what we're watching next week. Okay, my hand's in the hat. Here we go. I'm pulling this one right here. This, come on, get out of here. There it is. We are doing... Mm-hmm. How do I say that? Noroi the Curse. <laughs> oh God. Noroi. Nor- no, no, Noroi. Yeah, it's a Japanese movie. <laughs> so this is the one Japanese movie I'm pretty sure you put in the hat, Tim. Hello. All right, here we go. <laughs> I have not. I I I've seen it before and did not like it. So oh. So not, I got, well, I guess too late now. Should I pull but something else? No, no, no. I, I was like, <laughs> too late now. That is going to affect, that could affect our viewings. I'm going to try to be open to it now that I know what it is. Maybe I'll like it more. I remember a cool moment. But uh, anyway, I won't say anything more. I'm excited to revisit it and talk about it regardless because I know uh, it is popular and has its fans, which is, I'm okay. sure, exactly oh, why. Shutter. It's exactly why you put it in the hat for those reasons. Boom. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> well, uh, you can find us wherever you found us. We're at dismemberinghorror.com. We got an Instagram we update with, with what's going on, post pictures, all that kind of fun stuff. Our big ask. No, we're not going to ask you to leave an iTunes review. We know iTunes is weird. You don't have to do that as much as it does help us. Our big ask, though, if you made it this far, please do tell a friend. A like-minded horror fiend. Either (laughs) Either way, though, we do thank you so much for being here. So, you know, don't don't stress. It's cool. (laughs) Great. Well, don't stress. In closing, whether you think you're being haunted by a ghost or not, 
Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>